Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and today we are diving into a study of tradition number seven. So pull out that space age booklet of guide of incredible knowledge of just astounding facts called the 12 steps and 12 traditions. And let's explore a little bit about tradition number seven. Tradition seven is odd in a way. In tradition seven, we explore the idea of saying, nope, I don't want your help. Nope. Not only do I not want your help, but because I'm going to refer back to tradition six, I can't have your help. I'm, I just refuse it straight up. Doesn't matter how generous it is, how kind it is, what the intent is. And we will govern ourselves, our fourth tradition. So we take the sixth tradition and the fourth tradition, we wrap it all together and we say to ourselves, if I'm governing myself and I'm supposed to not take any help from the outside, how in the world is this anarchic, crazy organization with, you know, no government? What, how's this supposed to work? How's this supposed to work? We have all sorts of freedom. And how's this supposed to work? And, and here's the thing that I think about. This is Danism, is that we are, uh, I don't know about you, but when I was drinking, I was not donating money to anything except the liquor store, right? I donated money to me and I donated money to my drinking, <laughs> And I, I didn't even donate money to places like the power company and the, the guys that wanted my rent, right? I, I, my money was mine. I wasn't about to give it up for something. So if you were to say, I'm going to take a bunch of selfish people and throw them together in a room and some of them will quit drinking and they got desperate lives. However, they are going to spontaneously, voluntarily, without any coercion on our part at all, going to give enough money to support this thing. It sounds ludicrous. <laughs> That's what it sounds. So it's not. It's the way that we support ourselves. And what gratitude for AA does and what you'll see is as people want to literally invest in the future of AA for the sake of the newcomer, for the person, the alcoholic who still suffers, that person still trying to find their way that hasn't discovered our solution yet is big. And it's one thing we can do, even though we all want to climb to the top of the mountain and sing AA's praises. It's really our chance right here. Some interesting facts is when they gave a dollar at the beginning of AA, today it's equivalent to 12 or $13. Eeks, <laughs> right? Yikes, you know, and I know people don't do that. Even so, our, our organization survives. But it is so important that we remain self-supporting, declining outside contributions. And that's really what we're going to talk about here. So how does that apply to me personally, Dan Dan? Well, there's something to think about here in that self-efficacy, that being effective in my own life for my own self, getting sober, getting my head right, cleaning house, getting a job and supporting my own self, not constantly being out for the handout, taking advantage of even government programs, if that's something you necessarily must do. However, doing it with rigorous honesty, right? Not manipulating the system. This is what it's about. Self-efficacy, being effective for your own self, not relying on outside contributions. If there's one thing that's kind of funny is that it's somewhere around 60, 90 days into AA of sobriety, I had a moment where I was sort of angry, you know? Why don't people help me. I'm, I've stayed sober. You know, I, I've been, I was in rehab at 17 years old. Here I am at 42 years old trying to get it together. It's been a little while, right? 25 years later. And 
I'm just 90 days into it. And I have this insane expectation that people like owe me something. So self-efficacy, learn to ask for help when we need it, but when we must also learn when we should accomplish something on our own. And AA says we accomplish, at least financially, everything on our own. So let's dive on into tradition seven in the 12 steps and 12 traditions. Are you ready? Every AA group ought to be, should be, has a debt to pay, to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Not some, not just these type of outside contributions, declining outside contributions, period. That's just that. We decline them. Here we go. Self-supporting alcoholics, whoever heard of such a thing, yet we find that's what we have to be. This principle is telling evidence of the profound change that AA has wrought in all of us. I mean, it is a profound change. Everybody knows that active alcoholics scream that they have no troubles money can't cure. Always, we've had our hands out. Time out of mind, we've been dependent upon somebody, usually money-wise. When a society composed entirely of alcoholics says it's going to pay its bills, that's really news. Sort of like unbelievable news. Some people say all the time, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably isn't. Well, this is one that is. <laughs> this is one that is true. Probably no AA tradition had the labor pains, the growing pains, the trial and error, the right to be wrong, had the labor pains this one did. In early times, we were all broke. When you add to this the habitual supposition, which is an assumption, the habitual assumption that we just commonly assume that people ought to give money to alcoholics because we're poor and we, we just suffer. We suffer. We sh I got twiggers. I suffer. So give me money. <laughs> you know, we've all been there. We've all been there, right? The habitual supposition that people ought to give money to alcoholics trying to stay sober, it can be understood why we thought we deserve a pile of folding money. Folding money is paper money. We deserve a pile of them evil one and five and 10 and 20 and 50 and $100 bills. Give them all to me. $2 bills for you people that like those, right? A big pile of them. Folding money. What great things AA would be able to do with it. But oddly enough, people who had money thought otherwise. Yeah, because they've been watching us. If they're not alcoholics, they're like, are you kidding me? My brother, this and that, or my sister, or my mom, or my dad, or my uncle, whatever, I gave him 62 cents. You know what he bought? No, what he did. He went and bought liquor with it. He went and bought liquor with it because that's what we do. So people don't trust us. We haven't earned that trust back, but we know each other and maybe we trust us. Hmm. Good thing other people thought otherwise. They figured that it was high time we now, sober, paid our own way. So our fellowship stayed poor because it had to. There was another reason for our collective poverty. Collective poverty, I like that. It was soon apparent that while alcoholics would spend lavishly on 12-step cases, they had a terrific aversion to dropping money into a meeting place hat for group purposes. I wanna be the big shot. I definitely want you to see what I'm doing, uh, but I, no one knows if I put it into a basket, right? No one knows. We were astounded to find that we were as tight as the bark on a tree. Cheap sons of guns, right? So AA, the movement, started and stayed broke while its individual members waxed prosperous. 
So wax just means grew, you know, it means it, it got more and more prosperous. I'm, I'm benefiting from AA. I'm benefiting from sobriety. I'm not spending all my money on lavish living and all sorts of stuff I can't afford, particularly liquor. I might be getting on my feet financially, but I just don't want to put that money in the basket, right? Alcoholics are certainly all or nothing people. No question about it. Our reactions to money prove this. As AA emerged from its infancy into adolescence, we swung, we changed, we pendulumed from the idea that we needed vast sums of money to the notion that AA shouldn't have any. Collective poverty on purpose. Hmm. On every lip were the words. You can't mix AA and money. We shall have to separate the spiritual from the material. We took this violent new tact because here and there, members had tried to make money out of their AA connections. And we feared, here's the reason why, right? Members try to make money out of their affiliation, their connection with AA. This is where it ties into tradition number six, right? They don't want us doing that. That's not a good thing for us. There's nothing spiritual in that, even if it's moral, ethical, logical, and reasonable. Hmm. And we feared we'd be exploited. That's the fear. And that means people, exploit just means people taking advantage of AA for their gain, regardless of the price that AA may have to pay while they gain it. Now and then, grateful benefactors had endowed clubhouses. And as a result, there was sometimes outside interference in our affairs. Now we experience this in a lot of places, a lot of meeting places. And it's good for us to humble ourselves to the rule of a church or a community center or whatever it might be, or a person's house, allows us to meet there. That's not what they're talking about. We don't need an independent clubhouse because the church has rules we don't want to go by. I think it's a very good practice to go by those rules. It's just an effort in humility and gratitude. What they're talking about is now they believe that AA owes them something. And this is such a great reflection of the alcoholic mind is that when I was actively drinking, I rarely did anything without thinking that there was something coming back in return. And AA's idea of collective poverty, of thinking we probably don't want to have any big amounts of money, is a way of saying, you know what, we're going to do this AA thing and ask for literally nothing in return. If you want to give, give, but there's no ask. There's no ask. Mm. It's going to explain that a little better here. One AA group was given $5,000 to do with it what it would. The hassle over that chunk of money played havoc for years. $5,000. Messed them up for years. Frightened by these complications, some groups refused to have a cent in their treasuries. All or nothing, right? Despite these misgivings, we had to recognize the fact that AA had to function. We do have bills. <laughs> we do. Meeting places cost something. To save whole areas from turmoil, small offices had to be set up, telephones installed, and a few full-time secretaries hired. So they're not talking about some sort of massive effort, just a few things to help keep this whole thing together. Over many protests, these things were accomplished, and those protests represent the group conscience. That's what I see right there, that by following our second tradition, they came to a consensus in the group conscience. God spoke through the group and these things were accomplished. We saw that if they weren't, the man coming in the door couldn't get a break. These simple services would require small sums of money 
which we could and would pay for ourselves. At last, the pendulum stopped swinging and pointed straight at Tradition 7 as it reads today. So now we know where it comes from. You know, it's that trial and error. It's the right to be wrong. It's the fact that these founding fathers and the original groups and these tons of autonomous people, tons of people that maintain all their anonymity to us to this day, we don't know who they are, walked this path and learned these lessons for our benefit now. Hmm. It's so, so important for us to remember that our ideas on how AA might be better or improve are very likely to be common and already well thought through. Here we go. In this connection, Bill likes to tell the following pointed story. He explains that when Jack Alexander's Saturday Evening Post piece broke in 1941, thousands of frantic letters from distraught alcoholics and their families hit the foundation letterbox in New York. Our office staff, Bill says, consisted of two people, one devoted secretary and myself. How could this landslide of appeals be met? We'd have to have some more full-time help. That was sure. So we asked the AA groups for voluntary contributions. Would they send us a dollar, a member, a year? Otherwise, this heartbreaking mail would have to go unanswered. To my surprise, the response of the groups was slow. I got mighty sore about it. Looking at this avalanche of mail one morning at the office, I paced up and down, ranting how irresponsible and tightwad my fellow members were. Just then, an old acquaintance struck a tousle, which is a messy and aching. A, a, so a tousle, it's one of those old words that sit in these books. Stuck a tousle, which is a messy, aching head in the door. He was just messed up like he hadn't combed his hair, right? He was, he was our prize slippy. I could see he had an awful hangover. Remembering some of my own, my heart filled with pity. I motioned him to my inside cubicle and produced a $5 bill. As my total income was $30 a week at the time, this was a fairly large donation. Lewis, that's Bill's wife, really needed the money for groceries, but that didn't stop me. So we were willing to help the sick guy, but not willing to help our own cause, right? The intense relief on my friend's face warmed my heart. Selfishness. That's right, self-aggrandizing. Ah, Bill's like, I'm going to give him $5 and I'm going to feel fantastic. I felt especially virtuous as I thought of all the ex-drunks who wouldn't even send the foundation a dollar piece. And here I was gladly making a $5 investment into a hangover. Hmm. The meeting that night was at New York's old 24th Street Clubhouse. During the intermission, the treasurer gave a timid talk. It's a timid showing fear, fearful talk. Here, yeah, guys, we really need to talk about this. A timid talk on how broke the club was. That was in the period when you couldn't mix money and AA. So this is the time frame we're like, yeah, so what, treasurer? <laughs> we don't do that. But finally, he said it. The landlord would put us out if we didn't pay up. He concluded his remarks by saying, now, boys, please go heavier on the hat tonight, will you? our own contributions. We do hold ourselves to it and we do ask internally for it. Hmm, I heard all this quite plainly as I was piously trying to convert a newcomer who sat next to me, assuming that newcomer that poked his head in the door with the hangover, 
The hat came in my direction and I reached into my pocket. Still working on my prospect, I fumbled and came up with a 50 cent piece. Somehow it looked like a very big coin. Ooh, that's a heavy sucker, right? Hastily or in a hurried manner, you know, quickly, hastily, I dropped it back and fished out a dime, which clinked thinly as I dropped it in the hat. Hats never got folding money in those days. Paper money, folding money. Then I woke up. All right, he's going to come to a realization here. Disruptive realization followed by a challenging solution. Then I woke up. I, who had boasted my generosity that morning, was treating my own club worse than the distant alcoholics who had forgotten to send the foundation their dollars. I realized that my $5 gift to the slip B was an ego feeding proposition. Ego feeding. It's so obvious in the moment, right? We love to elevate ourselves by holding others down. And we don't think about that when we loan money. We don't lift them up. We're not helping them solve a problem. We're not letting them get the benefit of desperation, the benefit of realization, the benefit of knowing the position they've put themselves in. You know, we're not giving them that. That's the help of the program. That's the stuff that brings people to the steps. That's the stuff that drops people to their knees to pray. And that's what we're really after. Hmm. I realized that my $5 gift to the Slippy was an ego-feeding proposition. Bad for him, bad for me. This was a place in AA where spirituality and money would mix, and that was in the hat. That's the place. That's where spirituality and money mix, in the hat. There's another story about money. One night in 1948, the trustees of the foundation were having their quarterly meeting. The agenda discussion included a very important question. What is that question? A certain lady had died. When her will was read, it was discovered she had left Alcoholics Anonymous in trust with the Alcoholic Foundation a sum of $10,000. That's a lot. The question was, should AA take the gift? What a debate we had on that one. The foundation was really hard up just then. The groups weren't sending in enough for the support of the office. We have been tossing in all the book income and even that hadn't been enough. The reserve was melting like snow in springtime. We needed that $10,000. We needed it, I need it. Mm. Maybe some said the groups will never fully support the office. We can't let it shut down. It's far too vital. Yes, let's take the money. Let's take all such donations in the future. We're going to need them. Hmm. Remember that sixth tradition, money, property, prestige, divert us from our primary purpose. Then came the opposition. They pointed out that the foundation board already knew of a total of a half million dollars set aside for AA in the wills of people still alive. I won't put a tasteless joke in here, but you know, the some of us die, must die so others may live goes through this sick alcoholic's mind right then, right? Heaven only knew how much there was we hadn't heard about. If outside donations weren't declined, absolutely cut off, then the foundation would one day become rich. Moreover, at the slightest intimidation, moreover, at the slightest intimation, which is a suggestion that is not direct, it's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, to the general public from our trustees that we needed money, we could become immensely rich. Uh-oh, that sounds a little bit like money is turning into prestige. Compared to this prospect, to, to, 
Compared to this prospect, the $10,000 under consideration wasn't much. But like the alcoholic's first drink, it would. Like the alcoholic's first drink, it would. Like the alcoholic's first drink that gets you drunk, it would. Hmm. That's really something to think about, isn't it? Like the alcoholic's first drink, it would, if taken, inevitably set up a disastrous chain reaction. We're guaranteed, we're so good at that. We just, we follow that disastrous chain reaction. Where would that land us? Hmm, good question. Whoever pays the piper is apt to call the tune. And if the AA Foundation obtained money from outside scores, its trustees might be tempted to run things without reference to the wishes of AA as a whole. Right on back to that fourth tradition. We are autonomous, except in matters that affect all of AA. We self-govern unless we're affecting everybody, and then we get together and self-govern, right? And think about that. You, you know, when you give a tip to a musician at a club, he, you do get to call the tune. You do get to make a request. That, that's true. And that's what they're concerned of, that simple, obvious social relationship between money and power, money and control, is something they don't want reflected into the AA organization. What they do want is that autonomy, that self-governance to have different layers until we hit the spot that there's still self-governance over all of AA, right? That AA still governs itself as a giant organization, as a regional organization, as a state organization, as a local district, and then a individual meeting. That is just vital stuff to think about. And we'll talk about in a minute how that affects you and how that, that, that can be applied in your life. It's, it's fascinating to think about. Relieved of responsibility, every alcoholic would shrug and say, oh, the foundation is wealthy. Why should I bother? Hmm. The pressure of that fat treasury would surely tempt the board to invent all kinds of schemes to do good with such funds, like education and hospitals, right? All these types of things. And so divert AA from its primary purpose. Money, property, prestige divert us from our primary purpose. And right there, the sixth tradition is guiding us on how to manage the money that gets dropped in the hat, right? To manage the money that comes our way from outside sources because we don't want it. We're just not going to take it. And that's how we tie tradition six and tradition seven together. If we don't take any, then it's important that we do make the hat a little bit heavier when we can. We express our gratitude into the group. We express the desire for the group to have presence and ability and demonstration into that hat. We have a little extra money, put it in that hat. Let them know that you're grateful that way autonomously. So there's no prestige involved. So it's not egoism, it's altruism. And that is the big difference. So it goes on. The moment that happened, our fellowship's confidence would be shaken the moment we move away from our primary purpose. The board would be isolated and would fall under heavy attack of criticism from both AA and the public. This has happened over and over and over again. These were the possibilities pro and con. Then our trustees wrote a bright page of AA history. They declared for the principle that AA must always stay poor. Fair running expenses plus a prudent reserve, which is a careful preserve, something about the future, just, you know, a responsible amount of money that preserves the group in the case of misfortune or need. A prudent reserve would henceforth, or starting right now, starting right then, 
be the foundation's financial policy. Difficult as it was, they officially declined that $10,000 and adopted a formal airtight resolution that all such future gifts would be similarly declined. Yep, that's it. At that moment, we believe the principle of corporate poverty was firmly and finally embedded in AA tradition. Let's take this thing home, ready? When these facts were printed, there was a profound reaction. To people familiar with endless drives for charitable funds, AA presented a strange and refreshing spectacle. We don't want your help. <laughs> that is a strange and refreshing spectacle. Approving editorials here and abroad generated a wave of confidence in the integrity, the quality of being honest, the integrity mm, of Alcoholics Anonymous that a bunch of people that really wrestle with the idea of honesty are being praised as a group globally for integrity. Wow, that's something to think about. That was a powerful position to take. They pointed out that the irresponsible have become responsible and that by making financial independence part of its tradition, Alcoholics Anonymous had revived an ideal that its era had almost forgotten. Wow. So in 1954, the foundation changed its name to the General Service Board. So every time you heard the foundation, it still exists. It's called the General Service Board. How does this apply in your life? Well, when we think about that fourth tradition, self-governance, you govern you, you are responsible for yourself. And we think about the importance of our sixth tradition, that money, property, and prestige, things of social status, things that feed our egos aren't necessarily bad things. It's just that we don't manage them well. And they divert us from our primary purpose as a group, as a group. So. It's important that we think of this seventh tradition that the money necessary for AA to move forward will come and that you and I have a role to play in that. And that role is to be in touch with how our group is operating and funding and being sure that we're willing to contribute, to think about how much money we spend on our own pleasures versus the recovery that gives us the opportunity at them. And that is so vital. We listened to Bill go through it. He had $5 for the guy with the hangover and then 50 cents for his group seemed like an awful lot, right? And so he backed it off to just a dime. <laughs> what, right? Just a dime. So in thinking about that, he realizes egoism. So how does that function in our life? Well, take a look around. How are you contributing to your group? How are you adding to the stream of life? How, what are you packing into it? And I think that's really important. Here's, a, here's another part of it. If we were to step outside of AA for a second, and think about this in our own lives. So many of us spent money that we ought not to have been spending and our families and our children and our spouses paid the price for that. And our creditors paid the price for that. How am I focusing my resources on either restoring that if I'm new to recovery or honoring that? Am I thinking of other people first? Am I thinking of AA First, am I, am I thinking about my family first, my spouse first, my children first, before I go and feed myself with a boat or a new this or a new that or a thing I get off whatever shopping app, you know, whatever it is. Am I thinking about myself first? Am I trying to benefit other people by my actions? It's a tough one. It's a tough one. 
if I'm to apply the seventh tradition in its long form to my own life, what it's asking me to do is deny myself money, property, prestige, to govern myself, to have responsibility about myself and make my family or my job or these other things more important than that I contribute to them at least as much as I'm willing to contribute to myself, whether it's your church or your AA club or all sorts of things, you know, the needs of your kids to play a sport or something like that, whatever it is that you can do, whatever's within your means, how are you managing that for the benefit of others? And in the seventh tradition, we're talking about the benefit of AA, but if your group is your family, maybe it's that. If your group is your company, maybe it's that. So talk about that. What is the struggle? Have you been the guy that spent $5 on himself to make himself feel good and then picked out the dime and dropped it in the hat? Have you been the person that forgets about their family or puts your family in a bad financial situation in order to get something that's material? Have you been the person that sought to feed your own ego, to have your own things, to save my money in order to benefit you without any real thought of others? What was the result of that? How did you feel? What did you think? How does that apply to the steps? And I hope you guys have a great discussion around this because this spiritual principle, this seventh tradition matches very good with our seventh step that I'm going to go out and do God's bidding with money. And that's, to me, a direct connection. I hope you have a great discussion.